boxed, ready for Saturday morning's Greyhound Racing Wrap. Across Victoria, RSN 927 is talking greyhounds. Here's Simone Fisher. Good morning to you on this first day of winter, the 1st of June. A bit of a change of pace this week. Back to the normal show. I really hope you enjoyed the coverage from Sandown last Friday night. On today's show, South Australian CEO Matt Corby will be joining me to talk about the G6 racing that has been introduced in South Australia. And jockey Jared Fry will chat about his involvement in greyhound racing as an owner and a breeder. What's making news around the kennels? Fairly quiet on the news front this week, with no feature events here in Victoria for a little while. However, as of Thursday, Greyhound Racing Victoria began displaying the scratchings as they occur in real time on Fast Track. Reserves will still be allocated in the usual manner after all scratchings are completed for the particular race meeting that morning. GRV are increasing hybrid race meetings from June the 7th. With the number of nominations for full stakes meetings continuing to decline, hybrid meetings see the addition of advertised rank limit races added to the program. So greyhounds of a lesser ability are able to compete for full stakes prize money at provincial meetings. 250 plus rank events have been conducted regularly at Horsham and Warrnambool. Also some at Sale and Wednesday and Sunday meetings at both city tracks. A new 275-plus rank limit uh, event will be programmed at Healesville, Warrigal, Ballarat, Shepparton, Cranbourne, Bendigo and Geelong. All this information can be found on the website. Following positive feedback from trainers about the new lure designs, both Metro meetings will see the lure trial extended to four meetings a week. Sandown will continue using one lure and the Meadows two with commencement next Thursday and Saturday nights for the respective meetings. The trials will be extended in the future to Bendigo and Warrigal whilst continuing to gather data about how the greyhounds perform. In coursing news, Benalla Coursing Club are holding their cup tomorrow and Gap have another community day coming up at Sandown on Saturday the 22nd of June from 1 till 3. Registrations are essential and information can also be found on the website. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. My first guest on Talking Greyhounds this morning is Matt Corby who is the CEO of Greyhound Racing in South Australia. Good morning, Matt. Yes, good morning, Simone. Uh, you've had some exciting news, um, a change of racing over in South Australia over the last month. Um, can you tell us about the six dog racing fields that you've been trialling? Yeah, well, it's um, it's been a, a big trial for us. So um, for people who haven't been aware, only um, Murray Bridge at the moment is racing in an eight-dog format. Uh, that's just because, firstly, we didn't have data on that track to compare against, and we just thought with this big new open track we wanted to um, just give it a chance to settle in. But um, certainly at Gawler, Angle Park and Mount Gambier, all of our racing at the moment is has been reduced to a six-dog format. Um, we're interested in seeing a number of uh, outcomes from that, one way or the other. Um, we're interested in learning about it, I guess. Um, um, one of the things I think we've probably noticed so far is that certainly one of the things we expected was uh, really clean, uh, possibly more predictable racing, which we're, which we're really seeing, I think. It's... Um, if anyone's seen the vision at this stage, the dogs are really sorting themselves out into a good order, and um, and so that's that's one of the really pleasing outcomes of it. Um, and um, we'll understand a bit more in about the next two or three weeks. But certainly, the early feedback um, through TapCorp, etc., is that um, that there's good acceptance out there in the wagering market. Um, we've had actually good growth over the last month, but um, 
uh, to understand that it's important to note that we've actually put on an extra race meeting and, and because you're running six dog format you can run more races and part of this is about creating uh, uh, more overall to afford the extra, essentially the extra 20 races worth of um, prize money we're paying every week. I was watching some of the races, Matt, and uh, it definitely is a lot cleaner, particularly at Angle Park where it can be quite tight um, going into that first turn. And and all of a sudden I started thinking, my goodness, if there was two more greyhounds in this race going into the first turn, there would have been some interference and jamming up. And do you think we become conditioned to what we're used to? Or we do, um, but eight dog fields, we're used to that. Um, sometimes they're clean, sometimes there's interference. But all of a sudden when you see six dogs, you think, oh, perhaps this is how it should be. Yeah, well, that's a big part of the trial is, is to challenge, I guess, that conditioning and to, and to look at, um, you know, at, at what is the right number for a field of, of greyhounds racing. And um, I think as administrators, one of the most important things is is to not get yourself into a mindset where you're, you're locked into what is really an arbitrary uh, field size of eight. Um, it's important every now and again to just get off that beaten track and to, and to explore other options, and for a number of reasons, to see how that affects the racing, to see that how that um, appeals to different wagering clients. There are a number of uh, wagering clients who, who um, I think would crave that um, greater predictability, and when you talk about those other two dogs in the field, when you think about grading from the top down, those two dogs are the uh, $26 chance and the $41 chance usually that um, go into a different field um, and, and start shorter odds because they're against a, a different quality of opposition and, it's, and allows us to actually grade in a more in a tighter fashion. So the gap between first and sixth is much um, narrower than, say, the gap between the first and eighth graded dogs. So I think there are some really important things to learn. We'll know... Obviously, a lot more over the next couple of months. It's, it's, it's um, currently proposed as a three-month trial, but these are the sort of things that um, uh, there's no point sitting there scratching your head wondering what um, the outcomes might be if you do this. You actually have to sit down and um, pull the trigger and, and um, set the goalposts for what you expect to occur and then, and then review it all and see where it takes you. Has South Australia experienced the decline in the racing population as severe as Victoria has? Uh, we certainly have, but we've, we were actually... Um, interestingly, at the moment, we were probably uh, we probably had a choice as a controlling body to be running six race meetings a week of twelve races of eight dogs, mm. and really all we're doing at the moment is running eight race meetings a week of twelve races of six dogs, right. <laughs> which, which mathematically turns out to about the same uh, to the same uh, number of nominations. But we're, we're, what we're seeing here is because you're only using. Um, 72 dogs uh, to make up 12 six-dog fields. Um, it allows us to spread that out over various venues, so it gives us better coverage over our regions. Um, and in our case, we've got four tracks. It allows us to race twice weekly at each of those tracks. So I, I'd say there's some truth in the fact that our circumstances just happen to be that they lend themselves pretty well to this trial. Um, but... At least early, um, the the outcomes from wagering, from having more racing, and and from from punters responding well to this this format. Um, essentially, what we'll do over just even the three months of this trial is drive another three hundred thousand dollars into the pockets of our trainers and breeders and owners, and that's 
in, in a state like South Australia, that's a, that's a meaningful sum of money. It sure is. So firstly, the punters, there's no third dividend paid on these six dog races, is there? And it's boxes three and six that are vacant. So it hasn't affected the punters. Um, you would probably think that uh, perhaps they aren't as inclined to punt if there's no third dividend. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a, a punter. So what's the um, feedback been like from them? Yeah, but, well, that's certainly been um, part of the feedback that we've got from um, punters early. But the, the figures indicate that they're, they're adjusting, I guess. And, you know, I think um, um, the exacta punters might be more inclined to be trifecta punters. Trifectas might go for first fours. And, and, um, uh, and I think when place punters will sort of work out differently how to stake their bet or how to structure their bet um, to get the return that they're seeking. One of the other things that people expected was, um, you know, the biggest problem uh, with this, if, if we go ahead with the trial, would be that there's just a raft of short price favourites, $1.40, $1.70. We're seeing nothing like that. I think, I think if anyone flipped through the winning prices over the last three or four weeks, uh, they'd realise it looks just like any normal, um, uh, any normal month we've had over the last 10 years. So it's, it's really interesting. It's not actually resulting in... Uh, you know what we might describe in the caper as oneies. It really, it, it does. It, it appears to be taking out just those two roughies, if you like, creating nice. a more even race, a, a more compacted uh, grading scenario. And and um, I expect from here. I, I thought probably the first month was the most challenging because of that conditioned mindset. So I actually think we might be. Uh, you know, we're optimistic about uh, it heading north from here and and really continuing to gain from the momentum of the last couple of weeks. So we know trainers can be very hard to please, but how has it been received by the trainers, Matt? It's a, it's a mixed bag. It's a funny one. If you think about it, this is what uh, even, even hobbyists to an extended, uh, you know, in, in, in a very real sense, are doing this for a living. Um, they might subsidise that. And it's, it's hard to imagine that you have to convince people that um, they've got two more um, stake money opportunities in a night and every race they're racing against five dogs, not seven. That should be advantageous and certainly a lot of people are um, uh, uh, certainly um, waking up to that uh, to those numbers. It's interesting though, because of that conditioning there are just some people who would hold the idea that Greyhound Racing is an eight dog proposition and that's that. Um, I guess if you tried to change the number of players on the field in the AFL you'd get the same <laughs> response. But you might get a bit, you know... <laughs> you might get a better game. <laughs> it, it's like you've mentioned, it's one of those things, you just have to try it. And I think we've all come to terms with the fact that greyhound racing is not going to be how it always was. We need to change. We need to make changes for the welfare of the chasers. And um, I think this industry is going to be continuously just in a, a flux state, isn't it? We, we're just going to have to keep moving with the times and looking for ways, what can we do better? I think that's right. I, actually, Simone, I, I believe that greyhounds are performing really well in this space. I, I think they're actually as open to change as anyone, and of, of any of the three codes. And and I think um, with all the work we're doing, say with the University of Technology Sydney, with track design, um, with you know dual facility tracks, with um, with uh, grading scenarios, and now with six dog racing, things like this, I think. Um, uh, people in the outside world of the other codes can see that the grass isn't growing under our feet, and it actually paints us as a as a um, professional and a, and a and a serious um, code, if you like. You can't. There aren't too many businesses in the world where you can just stand still and do what you did the day before. So, 
um, the key out of these things is knowledge. At the end of three months, we'll really understand a hell of a lot about um, six-dog racing that we didn't know um, at the start of the year. And I think another factor that we probably aren't going to have time to go into depth now, Matt, is the seeded box draws. But this may even uh, take the focus away from that at the moment if we can see some cleaner racing. That may be something down the track even further. But um, for the time being, these six-dog fields may just be um, enough to keep us going for that little bit longer. Well, that's right. I believe um, Victoria's got a planned trial of preferential draws later in the year so that the wide dogs can draw out and the railers can draw in. Um, and there's certainly, you know, the same sort of, it's a different approach, but it's, it's the same sort of logic, isn't it, about mm. trying things to learn about them. And um, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe you're right. This, um, certainly what we're seeing with the, with the six-dog racing is, is the, the, the clean runs that these dogs are getting is, is really apparent and, and, and a really pleasing aspect of it. Um, does that improve or not improve under pref draws? And, and, and do you try pref draws and six dog at the same time, or do we, you know, do we watch the trial from Victoria? I think as a national code, the important thing is that six different uh, states are working together on these trials. So people should be looking over our fence and getting mm. a sense of what this is and getting a sense of the results and, and considering what that means for their jurisdiction. But there's a lot more national effort going on at the moment than we've seen ever at any point in our history. So I think that's encouraging as well. Yeah, there's no compromise there. So thanks very much for joining us, Matt. We are out of time, but um, we might touch base again after the three months and see what the the data collection has been then. Yeah, I'd be pleased to do that tomorrow. That's great. Thanks, Matt. RSN 927's Talking Greyhounds with Simone Fisher. And joining me now on Talking Greyhounds is jockey Jared Fry, but he's also been doubling in greyhounds and quite successfully at the moment with a few race dogs. Good morning, Jared. Good morning, Simone. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. You'd be used to these early starts, but let's take um, everyone back to where you started with greyhounds. Now, you used to catch for Alan Britton, didn't you? Yeah, I used to catch for uh, a fair few trainers back in the day. Um, Alan Britton, Thompson's used to help the dailies out, um, yeah, no, I um, yeah, I was probably oh, anywhere from 12, 12 to fourteen, and then went off and did my apprenticeship at sixteen. So, and you saved your pocket money up, didn't you? Was that to buy a dog? Yeah, when we were younger, I used to save the catcher money, uh, what we get from the um, each race and whatever. And we had a couple of dogs as um, young fellas, my brother and I, and. Um, they sort of won a couple of races here and there. They're no world beaters, but they, you know, gave us a lot of enjoyment. That's for sure. And you got the bug, obviously. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've always always had the bug ever since we sort of started catching. And even when, like, I, I, since I started riding, I, I still kept a close eye on dogs. That's for sure. So now you've got this litter that you've bred yourself. Um, you've got Ryko Ablett, Ryko Rocketta, Fab Ryko. There's quite a number of handy greyhounds in this litter, and it's a, one that you've bred yourself. Can you tell us all about that? Yeah, so um, obviously when I wanted to get back into it, I um, contacted Paul Wheeler and just asked if he had any um, bitches that had one in town and that um, we could bloodlines that he would be will- like willing to sell that hadn't had any litters and... Uh, he um, gave me the option of a, of a few, and uh, Rico Bow was probably the one that stood out the most to me. So I um, purchased her, and yeah, this first litter by um, Fabregas of you know um, 
most of them have won in town, which is, you know, like I couldn't have asked for any more, really. No, um, you just hope that it continues because sometimes people have a lot of luck and they call it beginner's luck, Jared. But I know you're accustomed to, um, you know, the racing game, so I'm sure you'll be... You'll be right across that. But um, Raiko Raketa, a 29.70 run at the Meadows recently, so this greyhound certainly has some ability. You're up against it tonight at the Meadows, I must say, with Raiko Ablett. You've come up against Dinah Paddy and Orson Allen in a free-for-all, but um, no doubt it will still be an exciting race for you. Yeah, I'm just proud of the dog um, to be even sort of racing against that calibre of dog. And, you know, he, he obviously ran a PB last last week and um, I'm ho- I'm hoping that, you know, he can sneak a place in, in behind those two, you know. Oh, well, he could. He's drawn box too, so he may, may be in with a chance. But, Jared, not only are you just interested in the greyhounds, but you've just purchased a property too, haven't you, near Ballarat, where you've got pups on the ground there and you're able to do your racing, as a horse racing as a jockey and um, come home and play with the pups. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, we've we got 14 acres just outside of Ballarat and... Uh, got all the dog runs set up and um, I'm just currently looking to sort of concrete the shed for later like later days when, when I put eventually put race kennels in there once I finish riding but um, no like it, it's, re- it's really enjoyable and it's nice to sort of um, have, like have your hobby at home and I, I really enjoy the dogs. Do you think that being with some first-class horse trainers that you've ridden for and been working for, do you think that just that horse knowledge of injuries and how much you should work a horse, when you should back off, do you think that's given you a really good grounding and understanding and translates across to the greyhounds? Oh, I think so. Like, it's um, obviously, like, when I was a young fella, I've seen the way a lot of people operated as greyhound trainers and uh, then to go to the horses, it's a totally different... um, caliber the way they work obviously because with the horses it's a lot of control work with riders on but with the greyhounds if you work them in the runs you obviously you can't say stop you know like, you know you've done you've done you've done enough work so i, I just I, I think like um if, if like once i finish riding if i if i train greyhounds like i'd sort of try and have a nice balance in between the two do you think that the, or you'd know firsthand, the care and um, the training methods, do, is there some similarities or are they vastly different? Oh, they're quite, they're quite different, um, obviously because, like, with the racehorses, it's very controlled, like, um, you've got to go, like, you might go, eat, like, even time for a half mile and then quicken up in the straight um, and running 25, so, like, it's all, like, to the to the sort of second the right. time that you're running and how far you're working where, like, like I said, with the dogs, like you, you might be able to sort of put them on a walking machine at a certain speed for a certain amount of time, but if you put them out in, like, competitive runs, they're not they're not going to sort of hold their, um, hold to a certain speed that you want them to go. So there's, I guess, some challenges, but um, if you're sussing that out now, I think you've probably got the great mindset for when you do take over greyhound training. Hopefully it's not for a long time. You'd still want to get it at least another 10 years as a jockey, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, I, I, hope, I hope at least sort of five. Like, I'm I'm, uh, I'm turning 30 next month, so um, I, hope, I hope at least, you know, five sort of minimum. <laughs> well, well, let's hope so. Let's hope it's even more. But, Jared, um, you're... You're getting in good training to be a greyhound trainer, I must say. I've, I've looked at your racing this week. So in the last six days, seven days, you've been at Warwick Nabil, Ballarat, Hamilton, Sale, 
Ballarat and you've got six rides at Bendigo today. Now, that's um, just a lifestyle of a greyhound trainer running all over the countryside. Sometimes it's only for one race, sometimes it's the last race. So you're getting yourself, um, you know, well prepared. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I obviously do a lot of games and I think like you, you get quite accustomed to it. Um, obviously, sort of from day dot, it's always been the same and I, actually, I don't find it too bad, but um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of travel, that's for sure. <laughs> there is, but look, your career just as a jockey, 679 wins. Um, your first ride was back in 2007 and almost $13.5 million in stake money. That's um, quite an achievement. Yeah, um, I've been quite quite lucky. I've had good support from um, a lot of trainers and had had good good support um, with like having a good manager and um, everything like that. It's all it's all it all sort of adds up. Now I don't want to make you I don't want to um, disappoint you here or anything, but you did have a ride on my retired racehorse. His name was Consoling Amy back at I think it was a Chuka, yeah, in 2014. Now I've watched the replay. He came ninth out of eleventh, and I can honestly say it wasn't your riding performance. <laughs> <laughs> well, well that, that's good. You have, you have that. You have that many that many rides. It's hard to remember some of them well, it's like that far back, but. Um, yeah, I can't. I can't say it was a standout, to be honest. No, no, I didn't expect you to at all. But he started at fourteen dollars, so I guess um, it wasn't like you're on a beaten favourite or anything like that. He he was very polite. He was letting the other runners go ahead of him. He probably, <laughs> he, he probably was more happy. What, not being a racehorse and wanting to spend time with you. Oh, that must have been what it is. Yeah, he's got his dressage career now that I'm sure at times he's not too happy about that either. But, um, Jared, I had Peter Ty, who is a part owner of Winks, on my show last year. Wonderful talking to him. And he, it was at the time where Winks was nearing $18 million in stakes. And now we know that it's, you know, over 25. So you just never know what's around the corner, do you? No, it's, it's a lot of it's sort of right place at the right time. And, you know, it's like everything in life. You always need a bit of luck. You sure do. Dreams for horse racing is the Melbourne Cup something that every jockey just wants to win. Yeah, like everyone's sort of a bit different, but like I, I, I definitely think a Melbourne Cup because it's just like even non-racing people. That's they, they still they. It's, it is the race that stops the nation, and everyone, everyone watches it. They get a lot of people get the day off, day off because of it, and. Even people like yeah that have got just got no idea in horse racing still watch the race. So, so as a grey, <clears throat> excuse me, as a potential greyhound trainer, would that be your goal as well? Oh yeah, definitely win the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, <laughs> I think you think that's every single greyhound trainer's dream, and some people have been lucky enough to do do it a couple of times. But Jared, it's been wonderful talking to you this morning, and we'll all be looking out tonight at the Meadows for Rico Ablett um, in that free for all against Dawson Allen and Dinah Paddy. And all the very best of luck. Look, it's a handy litter. You've been doing really well with them, and um, great that you're enjoying it all. No worries. Thanks for having me on. It's the expert pick, Simone's Run of the Week. Away in racing, and Ella Enchanted only fair to begin. Out far zipping Murphy with Blue Shadows. They'll pair off three lengths to Ella Enchanted, who gets a lovely trailing position in third. They're followed by Extreme Justice wide out. Trailed up then by Zipping Gallon, Soda Flakes, and Ida Louisa last. 
a lap to go and the other Enchanted sailed through on the rail to take the lead. A length and a half to Extreme Justice, Blue Shadows, then Zipping Gallon, Zipping Murphy. A break either Louisa and Soda Flakes last, but Ella Enchanted off the back. Starts to click up the revs, three or four in front to Extreme Justice and winding up now Zipping Gallon. But look at Ella Enchanted into top gear, zoomed away from dip Zipping Gallon and it is all Ella Enchanted, a blistering winner. Ella Enchanted stayed it out well. A to top run at Sandown over the 715 metres after a gallant second in the Sandown Cup last week in the time of 41.49. There is definitely a group race in that greyhound. Last week's dog to follow, Kessler Bale, raced at Sandown on Thursday night. It gained a start as a reserve, but after a tardy getaway, never really got into the race. My dog to follow this week is Get It Gizmo. It's now had four starts for three wins and a third placing. At one in 25 and 16 at Ballarat on Wednesday night after a previous win in 25 and 10. Its debut run at Shepparton was 25.05, so it certainly looks to have a bright future. My best bet is tonight, race seven, number three at the Meadows. Shardale has been very consistent lately and comes off a second placing over the 5.95 at Sandown and had a win here in mid-May in 34 and 57. It's a leader and I think this race will suit and it is also a slight dropping class. Nothing coming up on the uh, group racing front, but we do have that community Greyhound Day in a few weeks at Sandown, so check out the website for those details. And until then, you keep those tails wagging.